everyone, Michael Lunger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, a BC Science Fair Foundation podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. And this season, we've been going back to talk to participants in science fairs to get their perspective on their experience and find out where their passions lie. And today, we're joined by someone who's not only been a former science fair participant, but is also the member of the Vancouver Island Regional Science Fair Committee. Uh, and that is Anne-Marie Samar. Hi, Anne-Marie. How are you? Hello, I'm great. How are you doing? And Marie, so you are on the Science Fair Committee. You're also currently a science teacher, but you've certainly had a path of education that has led you down some very interesting places uh, that started with Science Fair. Um, and that includes uh, something that I'm very curious about because you got into forensic science. And I've seen a lot of really interesting forensic TV shows uh, in my <laughs> time. Uh, but we'll, we'll save that uh, for a little bit later. But I just want to hear from you. Um, when you were first starting in science fairs, what were the things that you were really passionate about? Well, it's a very good question. I guess um, I'm not quite sure if the science fair experience really triggered the passion for the science research or if the science passion was there or it kind of happened at the same time. But I remember when I was in high school, like the kind of books that I would read were like, oh, uh, journals of a forensic pathologist. And that's the kind of thing that I would read. And then my first year when I decided to do a science fair by myself, I decided to talk about a, um, a method that's called plastination that they use to actually conserve the bodies after death. And there's an exhibition going around. I don't think it's running right now, but it used to for many years. It's called Body Worlds and it comes from, oh, yeah. uh, from Germany. And basically what they do is that they replace the water and the liquids in the body by silicon so that they can conserve the tissue for a long time. And it's used to educate people and kind of build this respect for the human body and our own health. And then I did my one science fair project on this topic and I created sort of a magazine where I would explain the different like method and why it was used. And I was able to mm -hmm. connect with some experts at the university who had a lab running where in my hometown and to go visit their installation. And I was able to borrow some specimen. I had a heart, a human heart. I had a human hand with the wrist. And I also have some had some slices of I don't remember which organ it was, but anyway, slices between kind of two pieces of glass uh, where you can show the different structures. Mm -hmm. And it was really for me the first really big experience in scientific communication. And I was really hooked by that to see the people's reaction and educate people on a topic that I was passionate about. Yeah, that was really interesting. I remember when that Body Worlds exhibit came through, and I remember my first thought was, you know, what is this for? <laughs> you know, obviously doctors don't need it, but it, there is, you know, some learning that can happen and probably doctors can use it, but also it's to communicate to the public, you know, what's going on inside of our bodies. So what did you really learn by going through this research project about, about the purpose of plastination? I think for me, a thing that really marked me, I guess, was the how it was in different communities. Um, the exhibition was really taboo in some places and really welcome in some other places uh, because different cultures have different relationship with death. And for me, it was really interesting because it was I saw it as a way to respect the body and to celebrate the beauty of the anatomy of, and the complexity of your, the human body. But, you know, some people don't see it like that because it's sacred and you don't touch a human body after death and you have like these different relationship with that. So for me, it was really that respect piece. And I think to me, like the human body is the most incredible like machine, if I can say that exists. Like I think it's the most complex thing and I'm just passionate like about biology. 
Interesting. Okay, so you're in high school. Uh, you're interested in the body in uh, forensic science, and you decide to go into medical biology to start your degree. Tell us. Um, so, how did those two things connect? Was that did the science fairs then fuel your interest to um, continue uh, to become a doctor? Is that what you wanted to do when you first started going to university? Yeah. Well, actually, it's interesting because I at first I wanted to be a forensic pathologist. So basically, the person doing the autopsy for crime scene and things like that. And I guess I approached it at first in a very rational way. I was like, okay, what do I need to do to become a forensic pathologist? And then I was like, okay, I have to do med school and go through a pathology residency, etc. Um, and as I got closer to med school, I actually had interviews scheduled to go to med school at the University of Montreal. And then things happened and I kind of realized suddenly that I didn't actually love hospitals and I didn't want to actually be a doctor. And then I decided to kind of step out and I didn't do my interviews for med school. And I decided instead, you know what, I think I'm going to prefer working in a lab, uh, not necessarily with the patients directly. Uh, and so I kind of went in the other direction and I registered for medical biology instead, thinking I'm going to do a master's degree and then I can specialize into some more forensic fields afterwards. Hmm. That's really interesting. So you're kind of walking through a process which I've been involved and many people perhaps have also gone through where you have interests and you have things that you like, but you're not quite sure what the application is. And like you said, you weren't, you liked biology, you liked medical biology, but you didn't like hospitals. And I think that's really interesting. Like, how did that process go for you um, in trying to figure out what you wanted to do with these interests? It was difficult because I think I was one of those teenagers who kind of knew what my passion was and I knew I wanted to study anatomy. And I remember actually doing one of my science fair projects when I was in grade 12. One of the judges that I had was the anatomy teacher at the university in my hometown. And I talked to him and I said, hey, I want to be an anatomy teacher one day. Like I want to know everything about the human body. And he invited me to go during the summer to actually go into the lab and do some work with them. So when I was like, I don't know what age I would have been, like 17, 18, went into summer for days doing dissection of human bodies. And just to kind of, I know, right, and just kind of explore, like, what is this field? And I remember <laughs> when I was there, spending like hours in the lab doing dissection with the tech, I thought to myself, like, I find this fa like fascinating, but I don't know that I want to work 45 hours a week in a basement di dissecting human bodies. And I was like, okay. So then when I started doing my bachelor, I started getting a lot of interest in molecular biology. So which is the DNA analysis, for example, and cancer uh, research and things like that. So I did a bit of that. And then when I finished my bachelor, decided to go specialize into genetics and study more DNA. And I did my, 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 my master, sorry, in forensics DNA. So I studied more, how do we use uh, body fluids and DNA from crime scenes into a forensic setting? Interesting. So you're kind of also describing, you know, something that I've visualized, which is my favorite TV show in the 90s was The X-Files. And you're kind of Scully here because Scully is a medical doctor and she's the one that does a lot of the autopsies. You know, she is not a, you know, doctor in there, you know, uh, working in the hospital, but she's working on, you know, forensic crime scenes and trying to figure out mysteries. You know, where did that lie for you in terms of like what you wanted to do, what you eventually wanted to do with this? Because you did eventually start working for the RCMP, right? I did. Yeah. So when I finished, I actually did my master in a forensic lab in Montreal. So they have a provincial forensic lab there. 
Um, and I did a research project uh, in the biology section there. And I was able to kind of touch on and, you know, kind of shadow a lot of different experts. I attended a topsy there, on, like, and I worked closely in an office where some of the bloodstain pattern analysts were also looking at their crime scene photos and preparing for court. And I attended court testimony from them and things like that. So I really got a an overview of all the different fields. And then I was hired with the RCMP at first as a forensic identification assistant. So I helped out uh, the police officers that were specialists uh, in crime scenes. So picking up evidence, looking for fingerprints, uh, preparing files for the court and things like that. And eventually I got um, transferred into the biology section where I was a search technologist. So that means that I would get the piece of evidence from crime scenes coming from the police officers and I would sample for any sort of biological evidence that could contain DNA. Um, yeah, so that's what I did for a couple of years. Interesting. Uh, and you mentioned bloodstain patterns. So, of course, I have to ask, you know, is Dexter a show that you watched? And, and how accurate uh, was some of the work that we saw on Dexter? I mean, I definitely did watch it. One of my favorite shows. I finished the last season during Christmas time. Um, it's, I mean, the thing you need to know about all crime scene shows is the way that they set it up like there's a lot of things that are actually accurate in the sense that a lot of things are similar to how they are done but to make it more interesting they actually have this one person who does like all of the things you know they do the interview right. with the witnesses and the suspect and they do the arrest and they go see the judge and they also do the lab analysis but that's not really how it works um so in real life you really have different people working on specific steps for this process um, so it becomes a lot more focus and expertise in a specialized area, which is also probably one of the main reason why, like as much as I loved the field and I loved the job that I did, I found it restricting for me in the long term thinking of like, I'm a very creative person and I like to be around people and communicate my findings and my knowledge. And I felt like working on, 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 on criminal cases where you have to follow very strict protocols because you have to be able to present your result in court. You, you, it's not the place where you're going to be very creative. Like you're, right. it's very by the book. And after a couple of years, you know, I really just questioned myself, is this what I want to do for the next 30 years? And I was like, I think there's other things that I, that would make me happier as a person in, in terms of my lifestyle. Okay. So that's the place in your career after you finished that forensic work and you said that you wanted to be more creative and you had already been fueled with this love of communicating science that started in science fairs and kind of seemed to kind of percolate through your university career to now being a teacher. And tell us about that process of how uh, you realized that being a teacher was what you wanted to do. It's interesting because I remember when I took my first biology class back in grade nine, and we were doing like human physiology and anatomy. I remember telling my friends, oh, one day I will be a high school biology teacher, you know, and little did I know. <laughs> and then when I was, you know, doing research on cancer and then in forensics and working in the field, I always knew that one day I wanted to teach. But I also saw teaching as something that I would do later in my career. Like when I was kind of tired of being in the field or tired of being in a lab, I would kind of use all of this knowledge and experience and then go back into a classroom, maybe as a university teacher or something like that. And then when I, when I still work with the RCMP and I was kind of looking for a transition, I, I looked at all these options and I figured, okay, how do I get into a classroom? How do I teach? So I looked at universities, I looked at colleges, 
Um, and in terms of the qualification, the schedule, and like what I would have to do to go back to school and get certified for, for teaching, high school and kind of senior school uh, felt like the most natural thing because I had been involved, well, now it's been almost 20 years in science fairs. And I really love interacting with students. I was a mentor. I was a chaperone for Canada White Science Fair multiple times. I, I was the vice chair of the Greater Vancouver Science Fair Committee for a few years. So it was just like the natural step for me to go into. Wonderful. And you've had lots of experience uh, back in science fairs, like you uh, have been a judge and you've been working with the uh, Vic- uh, Greater Victoria Science Fair Committee. So what has that process been like, sort of like coming back to your roots, you know, coming back to science fairs again? It's been very, it's been fun, actually, like spending more time doing this. And at my school right now in the grade nine class, we actually run an in-school fair. So I've been organizing that now for three years. So we have all of our grade nine students part- doing our, their own science fair project. And then we we have some judges coming in and they choose the best project. And then we send those to the regional and then some of them get to the Canada wide. Um, so it's been really nice to really just, I guess, instill that passion into the students and letting them choose their own project and really kind of finding their path through that as well. And one thing too is, you know, I have a lot of friends that I met through Science Fair that are still very close friend to me at this time that I met when I was a teenager. Um, and a lot of those friends are not necessarily in the science field either, but a lot of them have gone into communication or like a lot of them in med school and sciences and stuff like that. But it, it's not, I think a lot of people think that science fair is just for people that are like nerds or geeks or who really love sciences. But I think it's a great opportunity for anyone because it really builds confidence in that communication and, and sharing something you like. Awesome. Well, Anne-Marie, uh, we've almost uh, reached the end of this uh, here podcast. Uh, I've got a few more rapid fire questions if you're up for it. Yeah, for sure. All right. First rapid fire question, Anne-Marie, um, you've been around science fairs um, as a participant. Now, as a judge in all of your career, is there a science fair project that you have seen that has stuck with you and you still think about? Yes, there is one that I always use as an example with my students. Um, I don't remember the name of that student, but it was a student that we had at the Greater Vancouver um, Regional Science Fair, and she was a competitive swimmer. And she was always told that she needed to buy the super expensive swimsuit so that she would gain like seconds for her, I don't know, like going faster in the pool. And so one day she decided to test if it was true. So she built like a dummy with a device that would actually pull the dummy across the pool in the water. And then she put different (laughs) swimsuit on it and she calculated the average speed and like the errors on the measurements of how quickly the dummy was able to be pulled using the same force. Um, And she's shown that there was no significant difference between her cheap swimsuit and the super expensive one. So she started using the cheap swimsuit for her competitions. And I thought it was brilliant because, you know, she was not just trying to save the world like we often see sometimes students wanting to do for science fair. But science is just about something that's relevant for you, for someone around you, for your community that can be applied and has like real life uh, application, basically. And I thought it was just brilliant. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great lesson. You don't have to save the world with every science fair project. It contributes to something. And science is always trying to find answers. And I, I love that story. Exactly. Um, next question. Is there a piece of media, a book, a movie, a video game that's had the most influence on you? You know, I, I thought about this one a little bit. I think one of the books that I found 
the most inspiring was uh, Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it. Mm, yeah. But she was the first author that I read that was actually really bringing for me the social science piece with a very strong aspect of research and data, which for me, as my rational brain loves number and statistics, like she really built in tons of studies into her work. And it really inspired me to be a better leader, a better like person in my relationship in general, and really helped me. As a teacher, I think it's a really good book as well because it helps me understand my own reactions sometimes and how I get triggered by different things and and how to react to that to really help my student learn, even though sometimes it's difficult situations. Yeah, I love Brene Brown. I love her podcast, um, but the book that you mentioned, Daring Greatly, I love the tagline here too, how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. Such a great researcher. Exactly. I love how she uses um, research you know, in all these um, things that she's trying to say. Final question, Anne-Marie, do you have any advice for future science fair participants yes i would i would say my main advice is just to try it like even if you're not sure if if you have the opportunity to try something and you know if it's your first year maybe find a friend who's also maybe on the fence and try to build a project together you can do a project as a pair and pick something you're interested and just try it and you know maybe you're gonna find yourself a new passion and maybe not and that's okay but you'll get a good communication experience you'll get a chance to meet other students that are passionate about science see their projects too and for me at the end of the day like the science fair beyond your own project is about getting confidence in your communication skills and meeting other people the networking that I got through science fair has gotten me scholarships has gotten me opportunities for work in the summer and labs uh, has helped me like you know get some jobs sometimes so I for me that's the biggest part about it uh, well, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for coming on uh, Let's Innovate. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you all to the listeners uh, for listening to this episode. Of course, the Youth Innovation Showcase is coming back again this summer. August 15th is the deadline. So if you're thinking about taking a science fair project and taking it to the next level, check out the website, sciencefairs.ca, to see if the Youth Innovation Showcase is for you. You can follow along on uh, the social media, at Youth Innovation Showcase on Instagram, at Innovation on Twitter. All right, folks, we'll be back again in a couple weeks with another episode. Until then, let's innovate. Innovate.